it's really communities of color that are on the front lines of this environmental war uh, and environmental lack of justice. And it's always communities of color that are affected first. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Sustaining with Shana, a show where I will share all the amazing and exciting works of sustainability happening across the eastern foothills of the Appalachian Mountains to the lush farmlands of southeastern Pennsylvania. By celebrating our community, we can help to bridge the gap between local and international sustainability endeavors. Today's guest is Cole Goodman. Cole Goodman is a member of the Pennsylvania Democratic State Party's executive board, as well as a member of state committee representing his county of Dauphin here in Pennsylvania. Together we talked about the complex issues of how Climate change and racism inextricably are connected with each other. I'm really talking about how a lot of those issues are so deeply interwoven with each other that we don't always recognize it as easily. And Cole shares some of that personal knowledge of his as well. So before we get to Cole, please hear some updates about the podcast and also some thoughts I have for this week as well as some key important voter registration and voter information ahead of the November 3rd general election. Hi there, and thanks for tuning in for another episode of Sustaining with Shana. And thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're right here in Berks County, Pennsylvania, or you're as far as the West Coast here in the United States to halfway around the world in Ireland or India or in South Africa. But before I give some key updates and some important information, I feel like I need to say some stuff that's been going on uh, this past week and my thoughts about that. And a lot of that has to do with seeing in the news these past few days of the West Coast and the Pacific Northwest just on fire and hearing stories from family members and also of other loved ones that live out on the West Coast and telling me stories of even if they don't live in the path of these wildfires, of how it's hard for them to go out of their homes to even do simple errands because the air pollution has been so hazardous and so bad and is so widespread throughout that region. And also hearing stories in the news, not just from loved ones and family members, but hearing stories of how trees are exploding and just imagining the sound of that. Or seeing pictures of 
San Francisco and the skyline of San Francisco is on fire. And just remembering the fact that I was in San Francisco about four years ago for a research conference and to see that lush green landscape right outside of the city of San Francisco is now on fire and just the ominous dark uh, brownish orange glow in the sky it just it makes me think when we talk about climate change and sustainability we can't ignore these things happening and even if it doesn't happen here in southeastern Pennsylvania we can't ignore the fact that the earth is on fire literally and climate change is real and anthropogenic or human-caused climate change is real and so many other issues that intersect climate change are real especially a really important issue that we'll be talking about this episode which is the connection that climate change has to racism and that is real there's no way that we can keep denying that the people who are the most suppressed and the people who are most marginalized in our societies are those who experience racism and climate change firsthand and are on the front lines of climate change. So with that all said, I think it's important that we understand that we have an election here in the United States, my friends. And if you don't know what's on, on the line this November, then you're still asleep. And, you st- and I don't know what it's going to take to be awoken, but I think it's time to be woke. And it's time to understand issues like climate change and racism cannot be ignored should not be ignored and will not be ignored anymore so my friends and listeners that live here in Pennsylvania some key important information first of all any voter information you would need to know before uh, sorry between now and November 3rd go to votespa.com but I'll also explain the process here to you as well. So, November 3rd is the general election. What's at stake? Well, here in Pennsylvania, of course, we would be also voting in the general election for the next president of the United States. But also, all our congressional seats are up here in Pennsylvania, which is all our national congresspersons. But also, We have a Senate race, national Senate race that's up, along with numerous local, statewide House district seats are up, as well as Senate seats. A lot is at stake this election. And we need to understand that if we do not act now in the voting booth on climate, we are going to set ourselves back catastrophically from real progress and real positive change. So, 
here in Pennsylvania, you have until October the 19th to register to vote. On October 27th, that is the last day that you can request your mail-in ballot. And in order for your ballot that you mail in to be officially counted, it must be postmarked before November 3rd. And also, don't forget if you decide to vote in person on November 3rd, polls here in Pennsylvania are open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And please don't forget that just because mailboxes are not being ripped out from the ground anymore, that doesn't mean that our ballots are going to be processed just as slow as they were a month ago. We have to do this ahead of time and be prepared for it. And the last thing I will say before we meet our guest is please understand and please ask yourself, can we and how can we afford a Green New Deal? And if you have an excuse in saying no, what is your excuse? And is that excuse valid? Because excuses are not enough anymore. My life and all my friends and those people living on the front lines of climate change that I may not know and my marginalized brother and sisters who have their whole lives ahead of them will ask you that same question. Is your excuse valid? Because we need to act on climate now. So... Without further ado, let's meet Cole Goodman. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Sustaining with Shana. And on today's episode, talking about a really exciting but also extremely important issue with everything going on in the world right now and at this time, but also something crucially important to think about when the general election is less than two months away. So without further ado, Cole, please introduce yourself to the listeners. Well, first, uh, Shanna, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really Uh, blessed and excited to be here and talking about the issues with you. Um, As you said, my name is Cole Goodman. Uh, I serve on the executive board uh, for the uh, state Democratic Party. I'm also on state committee representing the county of Dauphin. Uh, I'm a former school board member in Dauphin County. Excuse me. And I also work for the digital uh, uh, um, marketing company Unmasked Media, which is headed by a uh, former Netflix, Nickelodeon, and uh, A&E uh, producer, uh, and I'm their political director. Uh, so I'm really blessed to do that uh, as well. Um, and just have not just been advocating for the Democratic Party, uh, but also advocating for Black Lives Matter. Uh, I feel and I've tried to become a voice and a leader in South Central Pennsylvania over Uh, the movement and the need for police reform, which 
excuse me, I know that we'll talk about that, but which ties uh, right into environmental justice as well. Um, but really trying to be a, uh, um, a leader uh, for my own self as a black man, for my mom, for my brother, for my friends who are black uh, and from disenfranchised groups to start having a voice. So it's an honor to be on and I'm really excited to have a conversation. Thanks, Cole. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's such an important topic and it's such an important issue and just diving right in. So yeah. I know a lot of your experiences through politics and not as much through uh, climate change and environmental issues, but I still think it's important to hear your personal perspective and the work you're trying to do here in Pennsylvania to advocate for more just and fair yeah. equitable solutions for all Pennsylvanians. So my first question is, what comes to mind to you when you think of racism and climate change? Mm. Um, so you want both exclusively or do you want both together? Because as you very well know, it's, it's very different. Which one would you, would you prefer? Well, let's do the exclusive first okay. and then inclusive. Right. Well, racism um, is what we're seeing in all levels of our society. Uh, I would say racism, uh, economic racism, um, uh, colorism, housing, uh, discrimination, all tie into, and in my personal opinion, uh, politics, specifically this current administration that we have, all are, race, are, are, are pushing racist policies as well as pushing disenfranchisement for different communities. Um, I would define environmental racism as the lack of um, and the lack of wanting to push uh, environmental policies that will help um, primarily communities of color ex escape the environmental catastrophes that we're seeing, uh, not just in our state, but in our country and around the planet. Uh, and I think it's very interesting that it's really communities of color that are on the front lines of this environmental war uh, and environmental lack of justice. And it's always communities of color that are affected first. I'm originally from a state, I'm from the state of Louisiana. Uh, and you want to talk about envir environmental racism. I mean, mm -hmm. we have just coastal erosion mm -hmm. that, is, that is taking away people's homes, taking away people's livelihoods. And mostly those people are people of color. So environmental racism to me is the lack of the government, specifically is inability to protect communities of color and people of color from environmental catastrophes that are really we're really at the cusp, honestly, of being not able to turn back in fighting uh, uh, climate change and um, the changes that we're seeing throughout our communities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and some of those points you made that I just wanna uh, bring them out and lift them up a little bit higher is, I, I saw something in the news within the last two or three weeks. I think it was within the anniversary of the 15 years since Hurricane Katrina happened, mm -hmm. that there is speculation that cartographers actually need to redraw the map 
of the state of Louisiana because of what we know as the boot of Louisiana doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And half of all those coastal lands uh, are actually now underwater or mm -hmm. in the ocean. It, they don't exist anymore. And that's a, that's a startling reality to realize of how bad it's become and how yeah. much we just, we don't think about it or we don't talk about it. Uh, and another thing I do want to mention too is the fact of talking about environmental racism around the world. Uh, I went away twice to the UN climate talks and went to two different ones. Oh, I'm jealous. Oh <laughs> my God. It was such a great experience and really eye-opening for sure. And the first year I went, the country of Fiji hosted it. And for various reasons and mostly logistical that they had to actually host it at the UN's climate headquarters in Germany, because logistically it would be hard to have 15,000 people fly to Fiji right. that year. But that being said, they focus a lot of small Pacific islands to small islands in general, to also um, more disenfranchised nations around the world and saying how serious climate change is and how people living on the front lines of climate change were there trying to shout to the rooftops against major corporations that were trying to influence these climate talks to major nations like the u.s and others that i hate to say it and there's no better way to say it but really don't give a shit about these right. problems Right. And it's so frustrating to hear how, what was it? I think it was the island of Kiribati or Kiribati. I've, I always mispronounce that, <laughs> but like they're underwater and I think they had to buy land from another country. I could be wrong, but I also think that is Fiji. But within the last 10 years, they've had to buy land and move their whole entire nation somewhere else. You know, what's really interesting that you brought up is that is, I just want to uplift something that you said, mm -hmm. uh, the hypocrisy of these major corporations, uh, being from originally from Louisiana, um, BP is probably one of the most hypocritical energy organizations around because they are the ones that coined the term, you know, your own personal carbon footprint, but they are releasing an incredible amount of anguish on our environment. Um, the, the BP oil spill, which we are still seeing the effects of today in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want, you know, your listeners to, one thing to take away from this conversation is it's not just climate change mm -hmm. that is you know uh, causing this rapid um, uh, this or this ongoing war uh, in our country? It's these hypocritical organizations as well, and I just wanted to uplift that point that you said. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I I totally think that's important to state. And um, bouncing back off of that too, it's 
BP is one of one of the best examples of being great at almost like being skilled with greenwashing in the sense that they're trying to tell you, Oh, they're great. They're great for the environment, you know, reducing your carbon footprint, what you can do to reduce your carbon footprint. At the same time, they turn their back and they're huge, gigantic oil spill that has just decimated the Gulf. Yep. Yep, uh, decimated the Gulf, decimated our beautiful wildlife and animals that live along the coastal uh, region of Louisiana, from our pelicans to, you know, our ducklings. And it, it, it just, I, when I talk about BP, I swear my hairline that's already receding recedes just a little <laughs> bit more because it just, it just makes me so, so angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it is honestly really frustrating. And um the the one uh, additional note to make to that is I think we need to bear in mind of how in addition to Louisiana, how much the Gulf has been decimated to yeah. environmental racism, also to climate <clears throat> in the sense that Hurricane Harvey that was I think back in 2018 that hit and Hurricane Harvey dropped so much precipitation to the point that I believe it was in Texas for sure. It pushed the surface of the earth, the top layer of the earth down two inches. That mm. might not seem like a lot, but when you think about it, it's, it was almost like a hundred inches worth of rain was dropped in a sh- a relatively short amount of time and mm-hmm. just the power in that and just how we we can't comprehend of how bad these issues are getting and how worse it's getting i mean that's that mostly hit the state of texas but i mean there's there's just so many different problems out there and it's just yeah. I'm tired of hearing people or seeing people turn a blind eye to all these atrocities. Mm-hmm. Turn a blind eye and also directly fight against any solutions uh, to fix or help combat these atrocities too. You know, I, it's interesting and like in the movement, uh, you know, we say silence is compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the silence and the active ongoing pushback from primarily Republican leadership, but also many Democrats as well. I, okay. I, I remember a young girl, and I remember this video so clearly, a young girl in California, she couldn't have been like nine, 10 years old, went up to Senator uh, Dianne Feinstein and said, we need a Green New Deal. And she literally just blew her off. And, and when you blow people and young people off like that, you're not just blowing off the individual, you're blowing off an environmental crisis that is killing, killing. And that's what people don't understand. People are dying from this, mm-hmm. thousands mm-hmm. every day around the world. So yeah, I, I, the, the, the leadership on this topic in many aspects is horrendous, but we do have good leaders like AOC, 
and 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 Ayanna Presley and Ilian Omar and uh, Bernie Sanders, who said that we need uh, a green uh, new deal and we need comprehensive economic legislation. Yeah, yeah. Well, and as a point to that, I I do want to make a side note is. Uh, even thinking about the power on the other side of having leaders who actually care about these issues and are willing to fight for these issues. Like, for example, yeah, it sucks when we have career politicians out there, but some of them are like, some of them are good too. And I think about mm -hmm. Ed Markey, who yes. ran for re-election. Yes. And yes. the fact that well, first of all, before explaining the relation to this topic is that was the first time ever a Kennedy lost a race in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, mm. ever, in the mm -hmm. whole Kennedy family. So yeah, that, he lost his hometown. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. even worse. Yeah. 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 So that just shows the power in the movement that helped Ed Markey <laughs> win re-election. And that being said, he helped, I guess it was, he helped issue the Green New Deal or he helped. He, he co-sponsored yeah, with Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. Yep. Thank you. I, I was trying yeah. to find the words for it. But just the fact that Ed Markey, he's a man in the 70s. He's, he's kind of starting the age out of what's the current topics or the current um, pulse of politics and just the fact that he won his re-election in large part to sympathetic Warren voters but also a huge block of people our age that identify maybe with the Green New Deal as far as like through the Sunrise Movement or other organizations came out in droves to vote mm. for Ed Markey. Mm -hmm. And if I may make a point, it all, Markey also shows that age doesn't matter, but the mm -hmm. age of your ideas, Matt, is, is mm -hmm. really the only thing that matters. And, you know, I have respect for Joe Kennedy, uh, but, you know, uh, I think it's a mistake to run to the middle in these times. Um, and Ed Markey showed, as you said, the power of really standing up for um, structural change, especially environmental structural change. Mm -hmm. um, and even in a state that I'm sure ha combats environmental injustice every day, but it's not one of the most prominent states that you hear about when it's coming. So that's what we need. We need elected officials, even from states that may not have this as a top three issue, really make it one of the most important issues uh, going forward in elections and campaigning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish it was it was something like even Senator Casey or uh, <laughs> Senator well, Toomey <laughs> would address like these issues because like with fracking too here in Pennsylvania, like that's that's its own can of worms of environmental injustice and environmental racism to climate change and mm -hmm. yeah but it's just yeah yeah i, I could <laughs> i could go on for days talking about that but to cycle back to 
um, the topic at hand is yeah. in your personal opinion with being really heavily involved, uh, especially in these last few months uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement, how do you think the movement can help to address these issues like environmental racism and climate change? That is an absolutely fabulous question. Um, I think that the movement must realize that the, the fight doesn't end at police reform and the fight mm -hmm. doesn't end at police brutality because Black Lives Matter also translates into Black people living in coastal reason, regions that have, um, you know, that are losing their homes because of erosion, that they're losing their homes because of way too high tea, uh, sea, uh, bleh, sea, uh, sea tides. Try saying uh -huh. that four times. Um, <laughs> So Black, Black Lives Matter, and I'm sure, I, I truly believe, you know, I'm not a part of the organization uh, okay. per se, but I'm, I'm absolutely part of the movement of Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter. And us in the movement must make sure that we're talking about all sections of society that where, where Black lives aren't mattering. And as you pointed out from fracking, uh, to even pipelines being uh, built upon indigenous lands and also some of them through communities of color. This is something that Black Lives Matter has to take upon themselves uh, mm -hmm. and ourselves and make sure that we're addressing every time, whether we're out protesting, whether we're on podcasts, whether we're on radios, whether we're out screaming in the streets and getting maced by the police, we got to be addressing that environmental racism is just as deadly and just as um, uh, threatening as police brutality and injustice and lack of justice is in this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't have put it better any other way. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're welcome. When I finished that answer, I was kind of like, man, I'm a little proud of myself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So um, with all of this said, and hearing the most recent um, episode, or at least a clip of the most recent episode of your own podcast, and it's, am I saying this correctly? It's the cedar, cider room? The, the cedar room. Seizure room. Okay. Seizure. Okay. Yep. Okay, good. Um, where and who was the guy that you had on? Jeffrey Lord. He is the former political director for Ronald Reagan and is as well a close personal friend of our current president, Donald Trump, uh, and is a oh. former CNN analyst as well. And now is every week he's on Hannity now. Oh dear God. Anyways. Well, we all can't be perfect. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was interesting something that you said that I think is really important to to stop and make note of and something that you made it loud and clear for him to understand is that when people hear Black Lives Matter and the Black Lives Matter movement, and maybe some listeners might be hesitant upon that, uh, idea when listening to this episode and listening to my episodes but 
Can you make it clear to the listeners as far as what Black Lives Matter is? Like, let's just stop back and take a second here to talk about what really is Black Lives Matter and why why it's not as far as a a group of thugs like the president likes to say. Right. So uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, and yes, there is an organization of Black Lives Matter, but since I'm not a part of the organization per se, I'm not going to speak on what specific policies they stand for, even though many of them I agree with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just don't want to make sure I'm not representing the specific organization, but Black Lives Matter as a whole, as a movement, is a movement to address the injustice, the oppression, the repression, and the depression, and the oppression Mm -hmm. of um, Black and Brown people in this country, especially specifically looking at all those things when it gears towards police brutality and uh, our our police our our policing state in this country um many of our police departments uh and look i'll be the first to say i'm a part of this movement but i have family that are police officers my uncle was a police chief in the city of new orleans so i completely i i've seen you know i've watched uh the hardships that police officers do have to go through however A lot of these institutions were built on racism and oppression and the targeting of black and brown people in this country. And what Black Lives Matter movement is trying to say is one, we're not gonna take it anymore. And two, we're gonna hold our elected officials accountable to pass some some really, really good legislative police reform um, from a national level all the way down to a local level. Um, of course, there are different factions of the movement that believe in the abolishment of police departments, that believe in the defunding of police departments, and then that are uh, believe in reform uh, personally, uh, and I, I may not be the popular thing right now to say, but I'm not for the abolishment of police departments. I am for a um, medium defunding of police departments, especially ones that are over militarized and redirecting those resources into community projects and such. So I, I think that's like a very broad overview of the Black Lives Matter movement. But let me just make also one thing clear. What's made this recent movement so special is the real camaraderie of all communities coming together to lift up the Black Lives Matter movement, from the LGBTQ plus A community, to uh, our, our trans communities, to our Native American communities, to our Asian American communities. Everyone has come together, especially since the, tr- the murder of George Floyd, and has been white people, Black people, saying unequivocally Black Lives Matter, and that all lives can't matter until Black lives start mattering in this country. Can you repeat that last thing you just said? Absolutely. All lives cannot matter until Black lives matter and start mattering in this country. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. And 
just want to make a note with that is for those who still get frustrated with that or don't understand it or it doesn't sit well with them, think of the parable of the lost sheep and how mm. Jesus went to find the lost sheep and how there was a hundred sheep and everybody was like, well, why did you go after the lost sheep when you had 99 other sheep with you and that those 99 sheep are okay, they're fine, but I need to take care of this lost sheep mm. and I need to find them and I need them to bring them back into the Exactly herd. right, exactly right. Uh, and if I, if I could make one more point, um, uh, it's kind of to the second part of your question. Uh, there is, for everyone listening out there, there's a lot of misinformation going on about the Black Lives Matter movement. And personally, I'd argue a majority, not all, but a majority of that misinformation is coming from our own politicians, especially the Trump-Pence campaign. I mean, I am seeing commercials being put up of just showing people who do decide to loot and to riot and to destroy property, which personally I am against, but that's not what the movement majority, majority of the movement is but we're seeing politicians who are warping misinformation and turning this in misinformation into these people want to come into your homes and rob you at night. These people, you know, it, 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 who, uh, the president himself has called Black Lives Matter as a whole, a terrorist organization and a terrorist movement. But at the same time, wants to say that our, there are good people on both sides when it comes to when it came to our the Charlottesville protests. So I am just sickened by the misinformation that is being put out there. I know a lot of people uh, are hesitant, especially some, probably some people listening who are hesitant with Black Lives Matter because of maybe what you've seen. But let me tell you guys this, the reforms that we are marching for, the reforms that we're screaming for, and the reforms that we want to be passed legislatively also help our police officers by, for example, having social workers respond to some nonviolent calls that helps police officers. De-escalation training statewide, nationally, and locally helps police officers. So we are marching for reforms that aren't necessarily combative. They help make community and, pol uh, and policing better and more uh, trusting within our communities mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't put it any other way and i think that's a perfect way to sum that up because i think in order to to continue the conversation i think it's important to stop there and really digest as far as what is happening in the movement right now and why is there why is there so i don't know if, if divisiveness is the right word or just the fact that there's so much miscommunication and you not only see that when it comes to the black lives matter movement but shifting back to talking about environmental racism and climate change 
the same people that are trying to stifle the Black Lives Matter movement and trying to yeah. stifle the progress are the same people who are denying yeah. the science about COVID and denying the science yeah. Yeah. about climate change. There's a pattern here, people. Yeah. You better preach. You better preach. <laughs> you are so right. It's actually re really literally the same people. And people yeah. don't realize that. It's like any any environmental progress, any environmental legislation that's put up is stifled by the same people. Let me give an example, like Daryl Metcalf, who is the chair, right? I know, let me, let me drink to that one. Um, just go, yeah, uh, every time we mention Daryl Metcalf, you just gotta take a shot or a drink of it, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we have people like him who are who's the chair of our environmental committee in the state of Pennsylvania. Can you, we, we will not get, this is a man that completely denies that climate change is even a thing. Um, and so when we keep putting people like that in environmental leadership positions, that is dangerous. And that is, yeah, so I, completely hear what you're saying and i just wanted to get that example of and make sure you have your drink daryl metcalf <laughs> one of yeah. the one of the most and if i may say racist homophobic xenophobic and islamophobic representatives that we have in all of pennsylvania and i'm not afraid to say that there's some people that are like and eh, we shouldn't name call it's not name calling it is what it is i mean so yeah I mean, he makes it obvious for you. Mm -hmm. It's not like he doesn't shy away from it. Um, and for those that aren't from Pennsylvania that are listening or might yeah. not know about Daryl Metcalf a whole lot, what was it? The last time he ran two years ago, he ran for re-election. There was, uh, I think it was a, the candidate was an LGBTQ identifying yeah. Daniel yeah. Smith. Yeah. And how yep. I think it was during a debate or whatever, he like, he went to graze his hand or something as far as, oh, well, I forget the whole story. That was actually, uh, and I'm happy to say that Daniel Smith is running against Daryl Metcalf this year again. Um, but that for, you're right, for all the people who aren't from here that are, are listening, which I'm sure you have a lot on this show. Uh, yeah. Because this is... I love sustaining with Shane. Um, but Daryl Metcalf, when a fellow representative who is a cis male. Um, oh, thank you for the clarification, by yeah, the way. Yes. Yes, go yes. on. Um, representative Bradford, who is a cis male, um, touched the arm just very lightly in speaking to Daryl Metcalf. Daryl Metcalf looked at him and said, uh, I'm not a homosexual. I have a wife. Uh, and maybe some people on your side of the aisle will, would like that, but keep your hands off me. I'm not a homosexual. So like, and he's also one of our um, LGBTQ uh, A plus rep representatives, Brian Sims, Daryl Metcalf has said numerous homophobic statements too. So like, we're not joking uh, when we say he is absolutely, mm. and he's the chair of our environmental committee. That's why we can't get any environmental legislation passed through the House of Representatives in Pennsylvania, because we keep putting people who deny climate change, who deny that there's a problem, 
in leadership positions in our state. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he just seems like he's a bad seed all around. Right. Oh. Mm, mm. If we if we have time at the end of the show, I'll tell you one of another Daryl Metcalf story. But I know you have a few more questions. I don't want to keep talking. Yeah. About no, Metcalf. it's okay. It's okay. But I was I was intentionally saying that pun about a seed because. Gosh, I don't think he would bear fruit if he was a flower or a plant. Mm -mm. Uh, and that's a really good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, he would not bear fruit at all. Um, yeah. Probably infect the other plants around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that being said, so in the last few years, uh, and especially with Ed Markey and Alexander Osseo-Cortez, being co-sponsors of the Green New Deal bill um, that was released early last year, is yeah. there's a lot of talk around the Green New Deal. And yeah. why now in 2020, and talking about all these economic issues and also racial justice and climate change, why is it crucially important that we address and meet the needs of black and other minority communities compared to the green new deal or sorry excuse me compared to the new deal of the 1930s mm. repeat that question one more time i am like making i want to make sure i answer that specifically okay so with the green new deal that was released as a bill back early in 2019 and a lot of the issues that are going right right now in addition to that in our country why is it crucially important that the green new G deal addresses and meets the needs of black and other minority communities compared to the new deal of the 1930s sure so well, first, it has to meet the, the, the standard for Black and communities of color because those are the communities that are directly, and I mean directly, and at the front lines uh, affected by climate change, affected by environmental racism and environmental change. For example, Flint, Michigan still does not have clean water. I, and I, I don't know how many times to say that. And it, it, it blows my mind uh, that a party in the Democratic Party who is supposed to champion deals, new deals like this, uh, for communities of color, um, uh, is sending out uh, uh, endorsement videos with Governor Snyder of, of Michigan, um, who effectively ignored that crisis and i'm gonna say it because it was a community of color if it was mm -hmm. a community of white people it would have been immediately uh handled and immediately uh dealt with but uh you know to this day flint and i actually have two friends that live there they can't drink out of their faucets there's mm -hmm. absolutely no way or you will get poisoned so you know the the new deal uh I think that the New Deal that was proposed by FDR saved this country. That is, that is, in my opinion, I know people listening may disagree with that, uh, but I believe it saved this country. A Green New Deal 
will not only save everyone in the country, no matter your color of your skin, because we're on the cusp that environmental change and uh, is gonna affect everyone. We're gonna have wars over clean drinking water. Um, but it will immediately save many communities of color. And if we don't pass it, you're going to see people of color dying in the streets from environmental racism and lack of justice and change and also police brutality. So it's mm -hmm. like you're fighting a two-way street. And I hope that that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it did. And I just also wanted to make the note too. Um, and this was kind of the other thing that I was thinking along with this question is we can't ignore the racist policies that were a part of the New Deal. Yes, in yes, this, very in true. This, in the sense that we had the conservation corps and that helped to rebuild the country and great environmental causes that came out of the new deal but we can't ignore the racist policies yep. of the new deal and one of those that i'm not an expert in this but this is my personal uh opinion or perception of the issues but redlining is yes. oh extremely my racist policy yeah. but did redlining contribute to people of color living in sacrifice zones did redlining cause people to be pushed out into the fringes of the community where major polluting corporations decided to build their factories less than 500 yards away mm. it's possible but just redlining in general is a great example to show of how we've separated communities and how we've mm. built more vulnerable communities and more yeah. vulnerable communities across the country that would more likely sit in areas that they're more susceptible to climate change yes yes no absolutely i couldn't have said that better myself that that is so amen um Redlining is an incredibly racist policy. Uh, it's one that I, I, I see have effects in my own county of Dauphin County, um, in places like Steelton and Williamstown and such. Mm -hmm. So I, can, I couldn't concur more on that sentiment. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's at times it only, it, it feels like it just only gets worse. Right, right. And, and my question is, and, I, and this is probably one of, the questions that you may ask is like, like what are we when are we going to start fighting for those people in vulnerable communities um i will be voting for uh, joe biden i will put that out there very very honestly uh but when are we going to start talking about that? When are we going to start campaigning on that? When are we going to start actually governing and passing legislation when it comes to that? So, Because I haven't heard our current party talk about that uh, in such detail. I did hear Bernie talk about it. I did hear Elizabeth Warren talk about it. Uh, I'm still waiting for our Democratic nominee to say, we need environmental justice. I know that he worked on some uh, uh, joint policies with Bernie and AOC, but it's not enough. It's really not enough. We need this to be a uh, the the dismantling of redlining needs to be front and center. 
uh, in the Democratic Party mantra. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, with that being said, if you do get one question to ask Joe Biden today when you see him, mm. that is a question to ask him. Yeah, I, I hope to see him. Uh, if you do he, get the chance. Yes, yes I, I hope so. Um, yeah, I, I think that's one question. And then another, excuse me, that's been burning on my heart is, oh, what? when are we going to stop trying to compromise with people like Mitch McConnell? And when are we actually going to start fighting back? Like that, that's what, that's what, ooh, it irks me because people like Mitch McConnell and Ted Cruz and that they, they want to dismantle. It's not just Donald Trump. It's them to dismantle. Um, no, excuse me, not dismantle, uplift racist systems in this country. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I see a campaign and a party of, oh, let's compromise and let's all hold hands. And <laughs> no, I uh, no, I want to start talking, uh, fighting back. And like, I, I agree with the sentiment of Michelle Obama of like, when, when they go low, like we go high. I don't think you should ever like retribute someone with violence or anything along that nature. But like, one thing I loved about Bernie and campaigns like that is like, if you're spouting racist policies, we're going to call you out on it. We just need to start fighting back. That was my little rant mm -hmm. for the day. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I needed to get that off my chest mm -hmm. and here at uh, Sustaining with Shauna. That, <laughs> that, that is what we do. Yeah, <laughs> and no, I know that good. from being a listener of the show. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. And, it, and it's good to be able to have that space to talk about it. And as you were saying that, it just makes me think, um, what was it with the DNC about how before before the convention happened, they decided to I guess dismantle this this committee that talks about oh God I can't think of what the committee was on exactly but it was disband they dismantled or disbanded this um this committee that talked about environmental reparations or talked about environmental justice. Dana, yes, yes, they did. Yes, you're absolutely right. You're, the, yes, they did. And continue, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, it's, oh. A, it's okay. And I was just trying to think exactly what it was. But then the fact that at the same time they were talking about putting money or taking money from the fossil fuel industry still, in 2020 yeah and the fact that um both like president obama and also joe biden have said yeah like, it's important to stay in the paris agreement well staying in the paris agreement is not enough right it's not enough i mean being in the agreement wasn't even enough uh yeah. in my opinion uh yeah. i mean it's a good start uh, and the fact that we have exited out of it is catastrophic in itself as well. Uh, but once we get back in it, which I know that Joe Biden has pledged to do, we need to take a step further and go farther uh, with uh, legislation that we've already talked about uh, on, mm -hmm. on the show. And with leadership like Senator Markey um, and, and, and like uh, um, Congresswoman Jayapal from Washington, um, we haven't even touched on you know, I actually consider environmental racism to go into healthcare as well. 
Oh, um, absolutely. So, yeah, so we are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother can of worms. But whole I, nother, yeah. But just even talking about as a quick side note of like pollution alone creates so many health conditions, creates so many physical and psychological conditions mm. and how uh, people in black and other color or people of color communities are more susceptible to pollution. And yeah. that is, a, that is such an intersection between racism, climate change, environmental injustice, mm-hmm. and public health all in one. All in one. And, and then those, it's all in one, but it's an issue that continually keeps being pushed down the road and not addressed. And um, I remember when I ran for Recorder of Deeds, I ran for county office last year. And Recorder of Deeds, let's just be honest, it is not one of the most sexy offices you can run for. Really? Um, right. <laughs> and, and I mean, we tried to make it sexy, and I think that we succeeded in, in many aspects. But uh, we knocked 12,000 doors. And uh, one of my, the things I was running on was um, abandoned properties uh, and properties that are decaying before our eyes and actually contributing to pollution within our communities. Um, I, I witnessed uh, primarily people of color who are living in houses with other abandoned houses falling on top of their houses. Mm. So like people don't understand environmental racism doesn't just stop at the coastlines. It doesn't just stop, and which is also incredibly important. It doesn't just stop at pipelines. It is directly in our streets and in our neighborhoods when it comes to these vacant properties that are just spawning up trash, uh, making communities, honestly, many inhabitable um, and not being able to be brought back. So this environmental fight is literally everywhere in in, in every county, in every place in the Commonwealth and in the United States. Yeah, you're you're aloof if you don't understand that. Right. Uh, oh, oh, wonderful word. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> use that word. <laughs> you are aloof if you don't understand that. That's so true. That's so true. You really are. And actually, if you don't understand that, you don't want to understand it. Like you, if you're not being affected, then it really doesn't matter. And that is like a sad state of mind to be in, in my opinion. Um. Shout out Sean Gway uh, as well. Uh, <laughs> There's a reason why I'm laughing. If those of you who know uh, Cole Goodman personally and have seen his Facebook <laughs> post, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I just had to. I yeah, just no, I just <laughs> had to throw it. Because <laughs> chances are, uh, when this gets posted and shared all over social media, I have a feeling he'll be trolling. Yeah, you'll see it. You'll see it if you, if you, yeah, you'll see it. <laughs> It'll be trolling and rolling. We're trolling and rolling. Oh, I like that too. From a loop to trolling and rolling, you're coming up with some great stuff today. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, with all that said, um, before asking some a little more jovial, lighthearted questions, yeah. In, 
regards to everything we talked about from racism to climate change to uh, environmental racism injustice yeah. to public health issues what about all of that said together is at stake this november with the election oh lord um <laughs> you could sum it up because uh, uh, we can't forget there is an election on november yeah. the third yep yep um I'm going to say something that I, I know I'm going to get, um, I hate to swear on this PG show, uh, but <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say something that I'm going to get some shit for. Uh, and I know my mom's going to hear me cuss and she's going to get on me for it, but I'm sorry. I just, I, I had to. Um, if you don't vote in this election, you are absolutely com complicit in the destruction, destruction of communities of color across this country. If you don't vote in this election, you are complicit in the destruction of wildlife and communities when it comes to environmental racism uh, and uh, the lack of justice of combating climate change. If you don't vote in this election and you see a president who is sending federal, unmarked federal agents to Portland to round up and scoop up many peaceful protesters. Um, you're just absolutely complicit. And I can't, I can't, I'm not gonna come here and say, if we elect Joe Biden, we're just gonna get this massive structural change in this country. And like, it's just gonna become a utopia of just every, all these, you know, liberals and left leanings with their PBS bags and everyone just singing cute kumbaya. I'm not saying that. I thought good. we were going to go off into the sunset, like in that scene from the Wizard of Oz in the pot field of them frolicking and holding hands. I thought and, that's what it is. I, and, and you know what? I think a lot of people think that is what it is. <laughs> um, but that is not what it is. It's that we have a uh, president right now that is uh, a homophobe, that is a xenophobe, that pushes racist policies. And we need to remove that. But what anyone listening to this, uh, this show needs to remember is that once Joe Biden is elected, if he does get elected, we need to hold that administration accountable as well. So it's not, it's not like, a, oh, Trump's out. Thank God, we can just sit back, crack open a beer and just never for, for like, never talk about these issues again. No, we have to hold this, if there is a Biden administration, incredibly accountable. And this election, um, after all we've seen from COVID, which also it, um, targets community of colors, uh, color uh, disproportionately, um, from COVID to racial injustice, to uh, religious uh, even injustice uh, with people not being able to practice their religions freely with immigration injustice. Um, if you don't vote in this election, I, I, I actually really don't know what to tell you. I really, I, I don't know what else to tell you and show you to understand the importance of a black man like me being able to feel like he can live in this country safely. I don't feel that. I feel mm -hmm. like I have to watch my back.
everywhere I go because there could be, I'm not even going to say Trump supporter because not all Trump supporters are racist. There, may, there are many that are misinformed, but not all of them are racist. But the people who are racist, the president has fanned their flames. Mm-hmm. And if he gets another four years, it's another four years of me as a black man and many others, hundreds of thousands, millions of others, feeling like we have to watch our back from the Klan, from people like David Duke, from people, uh, from people like, um, I'll even say like Ben Shapiro, you know, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> please get out and vote. If it's not for yourself, please for your brothers and sisters of color. So we don't have to live in a country where we feel like we can be hauled into an unlike tr- truck and possibly lynched the next day. All right. I'll stop there. Cause I'm going to get too deep in my feels. Uh, and I, Please vote. Please, for the love of Jesus, vote. But my vote doesn't count. <laughs> it, was that rhetorical or was that a... <laughs> oh, 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 um, just... How do I want to say this? Oh, yeah, that was fucking rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know... Um, I always, listen, I'm an elected member of the Democratic Party, and I'm saying this, I always tell people, vote your conscience. So if someone is thinking, let's say, of voting third party, that's not a wasted vote. That's someone who is exercising their vote. And that's not the popular thing to say, but it's true. Now, if I talk to someone, will I advocate for them to vote in this election for, in this election, in this election, Mm -hmm. for Joe Biden? Yes, I will. But I will never demonize, and that's something we need to get off of, demonizing people for voting, whether it be Libertarian, Joe Jorgensen, or such, because I think that actually is another form of voter suppression as well. Uh, But that's a whole steaming hot cup of tea that we need to get to another show. Yeah, that's burning (laughs) hot. Burn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that all said, before kind of asking a little more lighthearted questions to wrap up the conversation, do you have any last minute thoughts? Just remember everyone that is either a part of the movement and supporting the movement, if there's anything I've said today, just please take this away, is that we have to, we have to stop having moments in this country. We have to keep having movements in this country. We, we, we can't, we cannot, sorry about that. We cannot, okay. we cannot keep having these cyclical cycles of these tragic events happening. We all talk about it, we all march for a few months and then it goes quiet until the next one. No, we have to, we can't have moments. We have to keep having movements. And I'm ready, I don't care what color you are, white, black, Asian American, Native American, I don't care what religion you are, Muslim, uh, our Muslim community, our Christian community, our Jewish community, we all need to stand together. Uh, and I'm ready to stand with anyone. I'm ready. I, I've been standing with Shayna for the past freaking like over a year or two of fighting this battle. Mm-hmm. And we're of different skin colors, but that it does not matter. 
we all have to come together. And if you do have privilege, if you do have a privilege of being a Caucasian person, us people of color need you to use your privilege to help us game the reforms that mm -hmm. we are desperately screaming for and shouting for in the streets. So that would be my final thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I will say, um, I hope I'm not butchering this, but that, no, no. Um, oh, what was the saying that Dr. King said that, um, well, marches are the voice of the of the silenced or the unheard riots are the riots are That's the language of the unheard. Yep. yes and then the other yep. one was how does it go where he talked about bending um bending the moral arc towards justice or the justice yeah. yeah yeah i forget exactly i think exactly it's, the quote. i guess every everything bends towards the moral arc of justice or, mm -hmm. or progress bends to the moral arc of justice. Yeah, yeah, I think that's getting more along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 or progress, not not everything. But yeah, um, but yeah like how pro progress and positive change bends yeah. towards the moral arc of justice. And I think that's really important to Absolutely. think about and take away. And with what you just said, I think if you don't take away anything from this episode as a listener, I feel like what Cole just said is probably the, one of the most important things for sure. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. So because this is a podcast talking about sustainability, climate change, environmental yeah. issues, and environmental injustice, if you could define sustainability in your own words what would it be mm. i think there are different types of sustainability um for me one of the most important things that i need to make sure is being nourished and sustained uh is my soul mm -hmm. uh in in many aspects whether it's um having people or friends around me who are also in the political field that are fighting against injustice, uh, that sustains my soul. Um, I, um, I know my, again, my mother's gonna be listening to this podcast and she says, I am the most unhealthy eater that has ever <laughs> walked the face of this planet. And most of the time she is absolutely right, but I'm trying to eat better recently to sustain my soul. So there are so many compartments of sustainability that I think sustain an individual uh, as a person. Uh, I also think, uh, and this is going more broad, there is such thing as uh, community sustainability and making sure that people in, whether it be your neighbors or people who live three blocks down from you or on the other side of the city, uh, if you know someone in need, uh, and you are able to during this time, try to help sustain them as well. Uh, and I think that creates uh, roots and vines of sustainability that go throughout our community when we take on the mantra of not me, not me as an individual, but mm -hmm. all of us. So I think sustainability comes in so many forms and there are many forms that I'm still getting better at in trying to sustain 
myself, my drive, my energy towards this movement and um, government and politics in general, because it is tiring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we've been in those same circles, so yeah, I know so exactly you know. what you're saying. I know you know. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Um, so if you were to take all of what you said and sum it into one word, what would it be? When that, when it comes to sustainability, you mean? Yeah, like in general of what you said of what you think sustainability is. If you could sum it into one or two words, like as, mm. a, as either a phrase or a word. Mm, mm. I would, um, I would say, um, I would sum it up as the con the continual. This is going to be, in, uh, you know, the continual drum drum beat towards progress. Honestly, that's what sustainability means for me. The the continual drum beat towards progress and also equality and equity. Um, so that's probably what I would sum that up as. That's a good one. That's a little different than what I, it's, it's always interesting to hear every interview, what people say. And mm. some people will say so many different things. And it's, it's interesting to hear people's take and, and how they've interpreted uh, sustainability in general. So mm. your mother would be proud to hear this next question. Mm. And that scares me. So as part of that, if you don't have one, what would be a vegan dish you would like to try? Um, oh my, I got to be honest. I am not that knowledgeable in vegan dishes. Um, but um, I did see one at Giant that, Okay, there are actually, I think I've seen it. There are like vegan pizzas, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what I want to try. I've never had a vegan pizza before and pizza is my favorite food. So seeing it from the lens of a vegan made pizza, I definitely try that. Actually, I may try it today. I'll message you and I'll let you know how I like it. <laughs> and then I'll just share it on the podcast Instagram. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. That's it. I like it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's good. It's always interesting to hear people's perspectives because somebody told me once they're like, I have no clue, but I have a friend that owns this vegan restaurant or what was somebody told me? They're like, have you ever had roasted and sauteed radishes? And it's like, what? Hmm. That is thing? Yeah. So it's always interesting to hear what uh, different interpretations people would have. With yeah. That. So yeah. if you, uh, so my last question is if you were to, wake up tomorrow and you had to do a job in sustainability but a job you would love now i know you're really involved in politics but mm -hmm. if the topic was on sustainability what would it be i would like to be a pilot <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and here's why. I actually used to, before I got into politics and before I was elected and such, uh, like when I was like a kid going into early teenager, I wanted to be a pilot. Um, I person, I grew up in Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. I grew up in the Czech Republic. Uh, I lived in the mm -hmm. Czech Republic for a while and I also lived in France for a while. Um, so traveling, uh, I've been to most countries in Europe, uh, a lot of countries in Asia, um, uh, a lot of countries in Eastern Europe, obviously, like Mos uh, in, in Moscow and Ukraine, in Kiev and Bucharest. So I love to travel. Uh, and I also love airplanes. So when I think sustainability, not that politics doesn't make me happy because it does, but when I think sustainability, it's like, that is like not only my dream job, but one that will keep me emotionally um, full and okay. Uh, okay. I can feed on different experiences and new experience. So I would actually say being a pilot, flying planes and going around the world, that's that actually that would be my job for in sustainability. I know that's probably the weirdest answer you've gotten so far <laughs> on the show, um, but I, I, that's definitely, that would be the moves. Yeah, it would be even cooler if it was like, um, if it was like a solar powered plane yes. too. Yes, oh yes. Cooler. Yeah. yes. Yeah. And we need to work towards that too. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing that we need to push for, but. We'll see if that day comes, but. <laughs> right, right, we'll yeah. make it come. Yeah. We'll make it come, we can do yeah. it. Yeah, well, thanks so much, Cole, for being on the show. And this has been an exhilarating conversation and just hearing your perspective on, on a lot of these issues. And I just hope that hopefully some of the listeners can take away uh, certain things from what we talked about but yeah. I do want to make an important note and it will also be in the episode notes. Again, the next election, the general yes. election yes. is Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. And yep. here in Pennsylvania, the polls are open from 7 a.m. to 8 yep. p.m. And if you decide not to vote in person, you must register to vote by October the 19th and mail in your ballot uh, before November 3rd to be counted. And the last day to request that ballot is October 27th. Yes. And, and just to stress something you just said, uh, we do have mail-in voting in this state. So there's really no excuse. Uh, and if you have trouble with your mail-in ballot, whatever county, you're listening from or whatever state you're listening from, please make sure to call your county election office uh, and Bureau of Elections and make sure they answer any questions and make sure that your voice is heard and, uh, and, um, and vote counted. But thank you for m mentioning that because a lot of people do not understand that we are now a mail-in state. You can vote by mail. So if you don't feel safe also going out and voting uh, during COVID, uh, your vote most definitely can still be counted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the only final note that I would add to all of that too as well is with the current issues of and insecurities of the U.S. Postal Service, every county election office here in Pennsylvania and I can't speak for the rest of the country, but hopefully all 
67 counties here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania have a, a box that you can actually safely drop off your mm -hmm. mail-in ballots to your county elections office. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there is many, many people out there are maybe hearing some contention with that. We have some contention with that in Dauphin County because as of right now, they took away our box, um, mm -hmm. which is another form of voter suppression. Um, but we are actually actively fighting to get it back so people can drop off their ballots. So we should, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. We should have voting boxes where people can drop off at least a month out from election time. Yeah, yeah. And just double check with your county elections office because uh, I live in Berks County and it's different here where I'm pretty sure we will have a box oh sorry we will have a box and that won't be an issue but it's still important to double check yeah yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah well this thanks so much awesome thanks so much cole for being on another episode of sustaining with shana and i'm excited for the next few episodes coming after this, and just want to remind the listeners that uh, between today's episode and November the 3rd, which is Election Day, all the episodes will be focusing around climate change, racism, and politics. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Shana, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, you're just welcome. My day. <laughs> I'm so glad, Cole. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Sustaining with Shana. You can now listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and many other platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and, of course, leave a review or comment. To follow us on Facebook or Instagram, go to sustainingwithshana.com. Also, what you read and listen to here on the platform was carefully created and curated content made just for you, the listeners. Any generous donations can help to keep me supplying you with great content. Just go to Sustaining with Shana's website. Click on the donate page to donate. Glad you're here. Thanks a million for listening.